We are uh, having a lot of difficulties today, but welcome back to class. I'm going to have uh, Justin, if you would distribute some of these guys out to people who don't have them as they come in, kind of help them get to them. Yeah. Thank you for being my, my helper here. Appreciate it. Um, we appreciate that too. Um, we're going to be uh, getting into the third section of chapter eight of the mediator chapter of the Westminster Confession of Faith today. Uh, now, uh, this is uh, just to give you a brief uh, introduction. We are a confessional church. It's one of our values that we have a written summary of what the scriptures teach. As you go through the Westminster Confession, you'll see that it begins with how do you know anything at all? The scriptures, that's chapter one. Script, uh, passage or chapter two is who is God? Then chapter three is God's plan, his eternal decrees. Chapter four is his creation. Chapter 5 is his providential, uh, sustaining, maintaining, governing his creation. Chapter 6 is the decree of sin, fall, and judgment. 7 is the covenant of grace, covenants. And then 8 is the mediator of this covenant of grace, Jesus. And so I want you to, I'm going to continue to go through, maybe in chapter 33, I'll just recap all 32 chapters and that'll be all of our time. But I want to keep recapping the uh, the, the flow of this to show that it is moving somewhere. Next week, we'll be talking about free will, which is an exciting topic, too. So we're looking at uh, Christ, the mediator, and we're on the third section of chapter 8. This is the longest lesson we've had so far because it's on Christ, and it's the, one of the most important things we can look at. So Jesus is the mediator of the covenant of grace, and uh, we looked at the first few sections the first week. Who is he? His person. Second week, what did he do? Uh, his work. So the person and work of Christ is a common way that systematic theologians describe Christology, the work of Christ, and that is what the confession takes up in the first several sections. And then we're going to get to section six today, which is going to tell us how is this work of this unique mediator, the, the, the one man, both God and man, Jesus Christ, one man, one person, two natures, and his work of satisfying the justice of the Father to bring reconciliation to sinners. How is this work applied? Welcome, sir. All right, we're on chapter or section six. We're going to dive into it, and we'll uh, we'll pray before we read this section this morning. Uh, join us in prayer, our Father in heaven. We ask that this morning you would guide us into all truth. That you, being the truth, Lord Jesus. Uh, your Son, Father, would, would, would lead us, would teach us, and Your Spirit would enable us to hear and enable us to believe and enable us to trust and to follow You. We ask that You would uh, help us to understand so, some very uh, heartwarming truths about who You are and how You relate to us in, in the person and work of Christ today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, our Father has given us a, a great gift. and. Christ, but the question is, what if you were born before Christ was born? Uh, what, what, how does that relate to you? Uh, what if you know? What, what is the, what's the answer to that question? So, this is going to tackle that. This first uh, thing we're going to read is going to tackle that. So, we're looking at section six. Although the work of redemption was not actually, this is on the back of our, our handout, by the way, if you've got it, uh, the very back, top of the page. Although the work of redemption was not actually wrought by Christ, or worked out until Christ, uh, until after His incarnation, yet the virtue, efficacy, and benefits thereof 
were communicated unto the elect in all ages successively from the beginning of the world in and by those promises, types, and sacrifices wherein he was revealed and signified to be the seed of the woman which should bruise the serpent's head and the lamb slain from the beginning of the world being yesterday and today the same and forever. We'll stop right there. This is a, a mouthful, uh, a very large so, uh, section of truth. If you would, please turn with me to, we're going to read all these verses uh, in Galatians 4, 4 through 5 is our first one. So if you'll turn with me to Galatians 4, 4 through 5, it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So this this does, uh, does this talk about Old Testament believers? What do you think? What was the question? Does that does that does that verse answer the question about what about people before Christ was born? How do they receive the benefits of the covenant of grace? He's got a mediator. He does. It says in the in the very first line that the work of redemption was not actually wrought by Christ until after His incarnation. Meaning he he finish, he fulfills the work. He he says it is finished. He he experiences hell on the cross. He experiences the wrath of God for our sins, and then he breathes his last. Buried, rises on the third day. How? Does someone prior to that work being done receive the benefits of that work? Is that that's they, the question? Uh, okay, I've got a clear, I've got an answer for that. Okay, uh, please. What they did was when they answered, when God started the sacrifices, uh -huh. He gave the law to show us. Yeah. He gave the law to show us that all men are sinners. Uh -huh. and no man is able to keep the law, and they could roll back their sins once a year by by offering mm -hmm. up their their sacrifice to God mm -hmm. and what they were doing they were showing a picture of mm -hmm. Jesus coming yeah. to they're showing a after a before picture of yeah. Jesus coming to sacrifice so back yeah. they were believing in Jesus that he would come yes, sir. so basically they were showing a a poor picture of those, those sacrifices were preaching Christ to them. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And in the, in the midst of that, with what revelation they had is they're trusting God for their, uh, for their redemption. Yeah. Uh, then they're going to receive the benefits of Christ and His work for them. That's, that's the answer. That's right. If you look at the second line, it says the virtue, efficacy, and benefits thereof were communicated to the elect in all ages successively from the beginning of the world in and by those promises, like you said there, the promises, the types, that there, there, those that, that lamb slain and the and the scapegoat and the, and the blood uh, spilled and poured on the altar and and, and the priest going into the holy place uh, to represent the people, all of these are types of Christ. And so when you when you trust God in that revelation, you are 
receiving by faith the righteousness of God to you. And He is taking on, Christ will take on your sins and those things will be yours. Those benefits of the covenant grace will be yours. When the time is fully here, it says in Galatians 4, 4, when the fullness of time was come. That's the key word there. The time, the time has come. The time is complete. And God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, uh, to redeem those that are under the law. So, so it's a very big deal that everyone born after Adam is born under the law and owes God perfect and perpetual obedience to His law. And none of us meet the standard, as you said. Everyone needs to, everyone needs to sacrifice. Everyone needs to sacrifice. And so everyone has to trust in God for this forgiveness to come. The mediator, the, the Messiah to come and, and redeem us from our sins. And, to, and to, to make us righteous, actually, too. To, to keep the law for us. So he had to keep the law and pay the penalty for the law. And the guilt and the corruption had to be atoned for. Uh, in, the, in the seed of the woman, right? It says it was revealed and signified to be the seed of the woman. This is this long, long-promised Messiah. Now, does anyone know where that term seed of the woman is from? Genesis. I think it's Genesis. Yes, sir. It, Genesis 3. He said he shall bruise his head and mm-hmm. he shall bruise his hem. Bingo. Um, yeah. talking about the devil, you know, where mm-hmm. Jesus would bruise his head and he shall uh, bite his heel, but he shall crush mm-hmm. your head. Yeah, the heel and the, and the head. And so the, the, the seed of the woman, the offspring of the woman will be wounded, right? But the, uh, uh, the serpent will be crushed in that wounding, right? So, so this is the pointing forward in that there's the the, the, the promises of blessing, even in the judgment for sin. And you got to think about how wonderful that, that promise would be. And so uh, the, the most, it's really interesting how uh, when the first baby is born in Scripture, in Genesis 4.1, uh, you see uh, Eve names her son Cain, because she says, with God's help, I've gotten a man. And it, 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 it's, it appears that she thinks that this is the seed of the woman who's going to crush the serpent and bring them back into, back into the presence of God, face-to-face fellowship, and into glory that they lost. It appears that way. It doesn't go so well, though, right? Cain ends up murdering his brother out of jealousy. And he, he, he embodies this seed of the serpent. Uh, but then Abel, uh, his faithful sacrifice, would be a picture of, of Christ to come, right? Whose blood will cry out and testify. You'll see Seth, you'll see Noah, you'll see uh, uh, on down to Abraham and, and uh, to Isaac and Jacob and Joshua and down to David and, and, and Moses and David, all the way down to, to Christ, of course. You'll see the, the faithful uh, who trust in God's promises and those who do not trust in God's promises, these two seeds. Now, it says that Jesus is, is the lamb slain before the beginning of the world. Okay, let's look at, uh, at Revelation 13, 8, just for a moment. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life. Uh, it says, uh, whose names are written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So, so the, the idea there is that, 
that your, your names must be written in the book of the Lamb, uh, slain from the foundation of the world, if you are to dwell in glory. So what do they mean there? When John, what is John in Revelation saying when it says that the Lamb is slain from the foundation of the world? That's a wild question, right? Why would he call him that? It was the plan all along. Yeah, yeah we see it. It's the plan. It's, it's, he's known uh, in Revelation predominantly as the Lamb. As the, as the bruised lamb, as the, as the lamb pierced, the bleeding lamb, uh, the, the one who is wounded. Uh, his destiny in the Pactum Salutis and the Covenant of Redemption is to... I'm sorry about that knee right there. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, the Pactum Salutis. Joel's got an injury there. Uh, but but as, you, as you consider uh, in eternity, uh, this, is, this is an eternal promise uh, of God to rescue His people. From sin, and so even even before the beginning of the world, uh, it's a done deal because God never changes His word. He never changes His mind. He He keeps, and it says, being the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's that's a very important lesson for us to learn. There is that even in glory, we will look back to this great promise, the the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world, realized at the fullness of time, as our mediator of this great covenant we receive all the blessings through his work all right that's that's the that's just the the nuts and bolts of how this thing works it's always christ it always will be christ it will forevermore be christ as our mediator and everyone who comes to him will come through christ and in christ alone not a mix of christ and works a lot of people want to think that well these guys before christ they were saved by their by their uh, you know, good deeds or they did enough sacrifices. No, those sacrifices did not save them. Christ's sacrifice saved them, right? That's how it works. It's not anything they did. The grace excludes all works. There's a man named uh, Jacob Arminius, and he thought that, okay, he reasoned, well, God requires us to do all these things, so we must have the ability to do it. Uh, we must have the ability to keep the law. And he said, well, since this, this thing has been shot in Adam, no one can do it. So God doesn't require obedience anymore. He just requires a payment. And so therefore, if you just believe, then that's your payment. You know, you're going you're gonna to believe because you have the ability to do so. And that's what he believed. We in the Reformed Church dispute that. Absolutely. We don't think that's the accurate scripture, uh, Scripture's teaching. We think that what happens is that we die in Adam, spiritually die. We have no ability to seek God or to choose Him. And then we are unconditionally elected in Christ. And, and that when, when God looks at us, He sees us and knows us in Christ. And therefore, He sends Jesus to atone for our sins and then irresistibly draw us to Himself by the Spirit's work of making us new. We're dead in, in Adam, made alive in Christ. He sends the Spirit, and we will, we will trust Him and believe. That's how, it, that's how we receive uh, this redemption. Uh, and it's not. And, and there's no redemption if there's no law obedience too. You know, you have to have justice. You have to have justice, and you have to have righteousness. And that's why Arminius is way wrong because he's 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 saying God doesn't require obedience anymore. He just requires faith. We believe that God must be just, and so if we're sinners, then He must judge us. But because of faith, we are receiving Christ's righteousness as ours, imputed to us, and our sin imputed to Him. That's why we talked last week about he, he really died 
for our real sin because it was laid upon him. As Isaiah 53 clearly says in the prophecy that he will bear the iniquity of his people. So he's really bearing, he's really the sin-bearing sacrifice and all that's on him. So if, if you and I were to visit hell, there would be no judgment there for us. There's nothing there. All the hell that, that we have been uh, meriting by our own works is poured out on Christ and it is his uh, His righteousness is ours. Our, right, our sin goes on him and that exchange is what is the, is the basis of our salvation. Now as you look at... question. Yeah, please. On... Um... Some people believe in predestination, like Calvin. Yeah. Calvin believed that you know not everyone's going to go to heaven. Because, oh yeah. But Jesus said he would. He wouldn't. He was not willing that no one would perish, mm -hmm. but all come to repentance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That so, was his desire. Yeah. Does that but, include uh, Judas Iscariot? Huh? Does that include Judas Iscariot? Yes. Ju he, he desires Judas to be. Uh, uh, what about the devil? I mean, I'm just I'm, I'm saying there, there's clearly people who reject him. So, yeah. so what I'm saying when he says uh, he desires all to come to repentance, I'm saying it's all of his people, all of his people that he. Yeah. So when you look at John 10, for instance, you might want to go there. Look at that. It says that. Let's let's go to that text. I really find this to be the most just heartwarming passage to to look at when you're thinking about this issue. Go check out what he says. He says that the that I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, and they John ten. Uh, looking at John ten, I'm looking at the. I gotta pull. I gotta pull it up here. Ten ten. It's the Good Shepherd passage. The door of sheepfold. He said, "I am the door." Yeah. Yeah. Ten eleven. Look at it. So it says, uh, "I'm the Good Shepherd." The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand, not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches him and scatters him. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Uh, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, we'll stop there. It's saying he doesn't lay down his life for all people indiscriminately. He says he lays down his life for his sheep. He says that his sheep know his voice. So, there, and then Jesus also speaks elsewhere of sheep and goats, and he's gonna, he's gonna, you know, divide them up at the end of the day. So, so not every single person who's ever lived is a is a sheep. You know, not everyone is chosen, right? Uh, you know, all many are called, but few are chosen. I, we're, the thing is, is that uh, we can look at it that way. But we can also look at it as uh, in, in Revelation. Uh, oh. Uh, I think it's seven. Uh, it's seven where it says there's a, a multitude uh, uh, where, where no one could count. And they, they gather around uh, the throne. And they're from all tribes, all tongues, all nations, right? This great multitude that's uncountable. But then the very next chapter, it numbers them in, in, a, in a way of, of saying, hey, every single one who is chosen will not be lost. Every numbered one will be here. You can count on it. None will be lost because I'm going to keep them. And he's never going to forsake them. So there's a, there's a real, there's, there's real uh, optimism that there's, there's a great number of, of chosen people. And we go out and we preach the gospel to all people. And, and many from all nations will believe. But not everyone. That's the thing. That's the, that's the sovereignty of God in saving his people. He rescues them from hell and he, he rescues them from unbelief by giving them a new heart. Taking out the old heart, putting a new heart. 
made a new creature. So that's the good news that we want to we want to preach that that God's sovereign grace in the person work of Jesus is ours through faith alone. And and so if you're preaching, if you're telling somebody the good news, you're telling them, hey, you're a sinner. Good news, God died. God sent Jesus to die and save sinners, so you can believe in Him and have eternal life. The only person who won't believe that is someone who's not spiritually alive. If you're alive, you're going to run and embrace that because God's made you that way. He, he's, he's given you uh, a desire for Him. So, so I'm going to say that, that, yeah, we do believe in election. We do believe in predestination because the Bible teaches it. We believe that God has a chosen people. He has the sheep and He has the goats. And, and why am I a sheep and not a goat? Uh, that's the biggest mystery to me. Why am I chosen and not someone else? It doesn't, it's nothing in me. It's all in God and His love for me. Uh, that I am in Him and, and He's in me. You see what I'm saying there? Because there, there's nothing, it's not like God looked at Justin and Bill and said, well, Bill's worse than Justin, so I'm going to choose Justin. No, he, say, he looks at all of us and sees, well, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. But He chooses to graciously save some for His glory, for His name's sake. Well, John yeah. 1 says, He came to His own, but His own received Him not. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, he, he came to, He came for His own people. Yeah. But then He... He gave us the. He opened the door for us Gentiles to be able to hear the word and mm -hmm. and to and to trust in this word. Thank God. Yeah, man. Yeah, isn't that great? Yeah, it's a, and 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 what God does is He moves the disciples out of Jerusalem to the to the farthest reaches of the of the Roman Empire and beyond into Asia, all kind of places, right? So they could hear the gospel and believe. And one of the fascinating points is that Jesus did a lot of his ministry at this very narrow region of, a, of an international highway right in the north part of Israel, in Capernaum, right? He moved from Nazareth to Capernaum. So all these international people had been coming through and hearing about Jesus. And then when Jesus is raised from the dead, they know who this is. They've heard the message, and people start going and preaching. They're like, oh, I know who this is. I will believe and receive him. He's trustworthy, and I will have eternal life too, like these Jews, right? But now, it's not all Jews, his own people, who didn't receive him, of course. Peter and Paul and John and James and all these other guys, Bartholomew and Matthew, they, they were, there were people who did, but in general, many of them rejected him. Many of the leaders, uh, religious leaders did, and, and many others. And, but thankfully, there was a movement of Jewish believers after Christ rose from the dead, and they preached the gospel to him. It was beautiful. And, and we see that in Acts uh, 2 with Pentecost, right, with, with it, where Peter starts preaching in the resurrected Christ. The Spirit descends, and these people are born again. It's a beautiful thing. Okay, so, so let's move to the next thing. I wanna, I'm going to skip over seven at this time because this really has to do more, actually, with, with really uh, the Lord's Supper, honestly. It's, a, it's, an, it's an inside uh, discussion about transubstantiation, consubstantiation, and the memorial view and the, uh, the, the right view. I'll call it that. I'll call it that. I'll call it that. Uh, what I think is the real spiritual presence of Christ. So, it, but because the, the Lutherans want to take this and say, look, Jesus, that Jesus somewhere, his his divine attributes are, are spoken of as his human body, right? But his, uh, you know, his you know, and vice versa. And so they would say that Jesus, being divine and human, can bring his body wherever the Lord's Supper is, and he can be in, around, and through the elements. But I want to say that. That that's a confusion, and I think that's the that's well, I know that's the reformed view is that that's the there's a confusion uh, light up in 
and the, and the person and work of Christ there. But we'll get to that when we get to the next you know, section where we talk about the Lord's Supper. So, uh, and, and so that's what I want to say on that. I always, I always like to... Of course, the Roman yeah. Catholics believe that they can actually bring back the Jesus body back to life and offer the body uh-huh. up again. You know? uh-huh. Yeah, well, so yeah, that's an interesting. We, that's just too much to go into on that, <clears throat> on details on that. Too much to go into today. I want to get to this last section and read it for you uh, so you can get a hold of it. It's beautiful. To all those, this is section 8, to all those for whom Christ hath purchased redemption, he does certainly and effectually apply and communicate the same making intercession for them and revealing into them in and by the word the mysteries of salvation, effectually persuading them by his spirit to believe and obey and governing their hearts by his word and spirit, overcoming all their enemies by his almighty power and wisdom in such manner and ways as are most consonant to his wonderful and unsearchable dispensation. Man, if we could just memorize that, that would be a very encouraging uh, statement to know and, 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 and learn why because that's a, a beautiful summary of Christ's ongoing work as our prophet priest and king he pull, pulls off for his role as mediator as prophet priest and king he doesn't stop in those roles at his death and resurrection but he continues as the ascended Christ doing the work of prophet priest and king he's our prophet and then he makes known and communicates his benefits to us of course, I like the first message of well, Peter, mm-hmm. after Peter received the Holy Spirit in uh, in uh, Pentecost, mm-hmm. he, he preached on his people with cruel and evil hands. You've taken and you crucified the Lord of Glory. Yeah. And it, and it and it pricked them to their hearts and said, "What shall we do?" He said, "Believe and be baptized." Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, right. And two thousand people were added to the yeah. church. It's a beautiful day. I mean, like, I, I pray that we have more of those days where, where there's you know, people who need to hear this gospel and, and believe it. Because you know what? The truth is we all need to hear it. You know, I need to believe it every day. I need to believe the gospel uh, or I have no hope of uh, ever uh, doing anything for the Lord uh, or to, to do anything at all. So let me um, say that the, he's prophesying to us now. He's the prophet. He's the true prophet. He's always communicating to us. He's revealing to us. The mysteries of salvation, persuading us by the Spirit, governing our hearts by His Word and Spirit. He's our King. He's our Prophet. He's our Priest. He's applying these benefits that He's purchased to us as the Priest. He's speaking them to us as the Prophet, and He's leading us as the King and defending us by His almighty power and wisdom. Satan will not trouble us at the end of the day. He is not powerful enough to deceive us or overturn salvation. We are secure because the King is Christ. He rules. All right, any questions before we wrap it up this this, uh, this morning, this beautiful Sunday morning? Okay, all right, y'all good? All right, so, yeah, so uh, you know, it's the fastest 30 minutes in church history. I wish we had more time for discussion and, and, and commentary on this, but we're going to get to free will, which will be an interesting discussion next time. In the, uh, in the in the confession, so uh, I will, uh, uh, you know, pray for us as we go. We all pray with me. Uh, our heavenly Father, I just consider each of these dear uh, friends and uh, and brothers and sisters, and consider uh, your great love for them and uh, and your great ministry uh, to them 
and through them to me. And I praise you for what you're doing in them and, and ask that you continue and multiply your blessings upon them and, and give them uh, ears to hear and uh, yeah, apply those benefits to them. Give them, grant them these blessings and, and defend them, we ask, as you're reigning and ruling, would you defend and protect and care for and intercede for and, and lift us up, we ask. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you so much for your attention. Try to do better next time. <laughs>